You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Abraham, David, Jesus, and you. What do they all have in common? The genealogy and spiritual connection between Abraham, David, and Jesus is explained in this episode. This presents the covenant, the promise that God made, a promise of salvation, a future hope, which we can all be part of through faith, belief, and baptism into the saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Abraham, David, Jesus, and you maybe put ourselves at the end of that list of three great men who are recorded for us in the Bible might seem like an incredible thing for us to do. Um, But what I hope to show this afternoon is that there are promises which God makes to us in the Bible that are only made possible through Abraham, David, and Jesus. Now, you'll see from the reading that we took together that we have mention of David in verse 27. We have mention of Jesus in verse 31. We didn't have mention of Abraham, however, and we'll come on to this a little later. uh, We have mention of the house of Jacob in verse 33. And Jacob, you may know, uh, is the grandson of Abraham. Now, there may be those who are sitting there listening and thinking, well, um, I know lots of this already, and I certainly, uh, for some of you, won't be showing you anything new this afternoon, but I hope it will um, perhaps reinvigorate you or remind you again of of the great things that are recorded in the Word of God. Um, Equally, there may be those who are sitting there and thinking, well, I've not really come across this subject before, um, and so I'm not sure what's coming up. And if that is you, I will try and go at a a sensible speed, uh, but and there's no way I'm going to be able to cover everything uh, this afternoon. So maybe it'll just uh, whet your appetite and uh, give you something to think about and perhaps some more questions to ask as you uh, begin to study the Bible some more. So we've read there um, the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary uh, and telling her about the, the fact that she would be with child and the child was to be Jesus. That's in our New Testament. What I want to do to start with Um, is come right back to the start of our New Testament, to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, and just see these three men recorded for us in the same verse. Um, I could have elected this as a reading, but it would have been a very short reading. So, And I I really enjoy the, the message of the angel Gabriel to Mary. So Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's verse one. And then from verse two down to verse uh, 16, the, uh, the Bible records for us there, the family tree beginning from Abraham and taking us down to Jesus. And you'll see um, David there picked up in verse six. Jesse begat David the king and David the king begat Solomon. So Abraham David and Jesus are all part of the same family. Um, Abraham is the forefather of David, who himself is the forefather 
of Jesus. I want to do this afternoon is just go through and introduce you to uh, the characters of Abraham, David and Jesus, and then see how what is recorded about them can relate somehow to us and God's plan of salvation and his coming kingdom. So we'll start uh, chronologically, and that is with Abraham. Now, Abraham, uh, in religious terms, is a very, very important man for, uh, for Judaism, for Christianity, and for Muslims. But we're going to be focusing on what the Bible has to teach. Um, and so we're going to be seeing how he forms a, a really, really important part of uh, the gospel as we go through the scripture. And we'll see in Genesis how he was chosen by God. So we need to find Genesis chapter 11. And here he's introduced to us um, as living in Ur of the Chaldees, so modern day Iraq. Um, so we're going to come in Genesis chapter 11 and we're in another family tree here. Uh, but we'll just come in the middle of that family tree or I suppose towards the end of verse 24. And Nahor lived nine and twenty years and begat Terah. And Nahor lived after he begat Terah 119 years and begat sons and daughters. And Terah lived 70 years and begat Abram, Nahor and Haran. So there is uh, Abram's name appearing there. And then we get a bit more information about Abram in the next couple of verses. So I'm going to keep going. Verse 27. Now, these are the genealogies of Terah. Terah begat Abram. Nahor and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abraham and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren, she had no child. So we've got quite a bit of detail in there, but the important thing for us there is we've got this man, Abraham, in her of the Chaldees. He has a wife whose name is Sarah, and, sorry, Sarai, and is later changed to Sarah. And a key uh, thing to point out as well is in verse 30 that Sarah is barren. She's not able to have any children. When we come down then to chapter 12, we find out that God had made promises to Abraham. He had called him while he was in Ur of the Chaldees. Chapter 12, verse 1 of Genesis. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. So there he is over in Ur of the Chaldees, and he's been told by God to leave that behind, to leave his family behind, and go to a land that God was going to show him. Verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So a couple of things to point out from what we have here is that a great nation was going to come from Abraham. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because we were told that Sarah, his wife, was barren, that he will be blessed. That comes up in verse two. And anyone who blesses his family will be blessed. And anyone who curses his family will be cursed. And then at the end of verse three, in thee, in Abraham, shall all families of the earth be blessed. And we'll pick that up 
a little bit later on, because that's really important for us and for our hope in the Bible. So here's Abraham. God has spoken to him, made promises to him. He's told to leave Ur of the Chaldees and he makes his way to somewhere. He didn't know where he was going. He just had to follow where God was going to tell him. But we find that he ends up or is, is led to the land of Canaan. And while he's in Canaan, what we know today as Israel, God makes further promises to him. So if you just turn over the page in your Bible to chapter 13 of Genesis, and we want to begin at verse 14. There's all sorts of detail here that we're missing out, but I'm just trying to pick out the key things for our subject this afternoon. Verse 14 of Genesis chapter 13. Now the Lord said unto Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. There's Abraham in the middle of Canaan in Israel, and he's told to look in every direction, north, south, east, and west, because he's told that it was going to be something that his family would inherit. Verse 15, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And it carries on, verse 16, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. So here's promised the land of Israel for himself and for his seed, for his descendants. And then the next few chapters detail for us Abraham's life as he uh, becomes a, a wealthy man, as he's moving around in the land of Canaan. But you'll still note that although he's been promised that his family would become great as yet, Sarah is still barren. In fact, he has to wait until he's 100 years old before he is able to have a child. Now, just come forward with me to Genesis and chapter 21, because here we find, and again, we're missing quite a bit of detail, that in the process of time, Isaac is born. So Isaac is born to Abraham and Sarah. Genesis chapter 21, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was, sorry, name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So he had to wait a really long time for this promise to be fulfilled, this promise of having a son. And I referred to it a little bit earlier on, but Abraham has Isaac and then Isaac uh, has Jacob. So Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and you'll hear those, their names coming up time and time again as you read through your Bibles. They're the forefathers of the people of Israel, the Jewish race. But we find that Abraham, in spite of having been promised the land of Israel, dies 
And that's in Genesis chapter 25 that we read about that. Genesis chapter 25, we find that he dies a wealthy and loved man. He has a family. He has a large family at this point, but he hasn't yet been given the land of Israel for himself. Uh, Genesis chapter 25, verse 5, And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. But unto the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son, while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, and hundred threescore and fifteen years old. Then Abraham, verse 8, gave up the spirit, and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his son, uh, sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, which is before Mamre, the field which Abram purchased of the sons of Heth. There was Abram buried and Sarah, his wife. And that last little bit of detail there about having purchased an area of ground is interesting because, well, Abraham had been promised all this area, but it hadn't been given to him yet because for his burial place, it was a place which he had to buy. What of these promises then, which are made to Abraham? Well, he hadn't inherited the land yet, but he died in the hope of these promises. I want you to come forward now to Hebrews and chapter 11. That's in your New Testament. It's a letter which is written. And chapter 11 in Hebrews tells us more information sometimes about some of the faithful men and women who we read about in the Old Testament. And here we're going to see about Abraham and the fact that he was looking forward to for something to come. He wasn't at that time going to receive the promise, the promise of the land, but it would be something which he would look forward to in the future. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, this is just going to go with some of what we've already seen, really. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should afterward receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he journeyed in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles or tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For, verse 10, he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So he was looking for something a little bit different than to become perhaps really wealthy in this life. He was looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then also have a look at verse 13, including Abraham in this. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. So they were looking for something in the future. They weren't looking for something in their life at that time. They were looking for something which was going to be in the future. Now, we're going to come and uh, look at Galatians chapter 3 a little bit later on. So we won't turn there now, but we'll come there a little bit later on. Let's turn our attention 
now to David. Now, David, as we've seen from Matthew chapter one, was a descendant of Abraham and also the forefather of Jesus. And you may know that he was the king of Israel, the second king of Israel. And we see that he was chosen for this role as a young man by God. Just come and have a look in your Old Testaments now. The first book of Samuel, chapter 16. And we'll see here that David is anointed to be king in the town of Bethlehem. And you'll no doubt be familiar with um, Jesus being born in Bethlehem. So it's interesting to see some of these things tying together. So the prophet of God, who is Samuel, is sent to anoint a king. And that is David is, who is the one who is chosen. Now, initially, David, can't, David isn't anywhere to be found. As it turns out, he's tending his father's sheep. And uh, so they have to go and send for him because all the other sons of Jesse uh, were not the ones who God had chosen. Um, verse 11 of first of Samuel 16, Samuel said unto Jesse, I hear all thy children. And he said, well, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down until he come hither. So interesting, isn't it, that David is so little thought of at this time that, well, he's just out keeping the sheep. Surely it can't be him that you want. But of course, and as we see later on, it or actually it's in verse seven. God's not looking at the outward appearance of these, these people. Actually, he's interested in the heart. And David was someone who is described as being a man after God's own heart. So first to Samuel 16, uh, continuing verse 12, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. So he was also good looking as well as having a, um, a heart that was right. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Rama. Now, there's a lot of uh, information recorded for us, a lot of detail recorded for us about the life of David. Uh, we've got first and second of Samuel. We've got some of the Chronicles, Kings, um, talking about this period of time. So we can't go into uh, all that detail by any means. But let's just come and have a look over in second of Samuel chapter five and see how long David was king for, and perhaps more importantly, where he was king from. So, um, 2nd of Samuel, chapters 4 and 5, and we're going to begin at verse 4. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem, he reigned 30 and three years over all Israel and Judah. So he had to wait a period of time before he became king. Saul, who was king before him, uh, died. And so it was David's opportunity to be king. Um, and we see initially from verse five, he reigns in Hebron. But then he becomes king in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where he sets up his capital where his throne was going to be. And from there, he reigns 33 years over all Israel and Judah. So 
There is David as king over Israel and Judah and is reigning from Jerusalem. Something else to note about um, David is that he was the one who God caused to write many of the Psalms. Um, at the end of his life, Second uh, Samuel 23, this is, uh, verse 1, we read, Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised upon high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. But there we just note at the end of verse one there that David is described as being the sweet psalmist of Israel. And, um, you know, many of the psalms that we have recorded for us in the Bible are very, very well known. And many of them are written by this man, David, who was king of Israel. And he was king of Israel from Jerusalem. That's important because when we come and have a look at the promises that were made to David, we'll see um, that, that where he was reigning from is important. So now we need to have a look at 2 Samuel chapter 7 to see the promises made to David or some of the promises made to David. Uh, we saw promises made to Abraham. Now we're going to see promises being made to David as well. So 2 Samuel chapter 7 and we need to come in at verse 12. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son, if he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. Verse 16 now. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. So this is the promise that is given to David. He was going to have a descendant who was going to sit on his throne. And we know, and we can read in the Bible, how Solomon, his son, was king after him and also ruled from Jerusalem. There's some key words that come at the end of verse 13 and at the end of verse 16. And it's those words forever. At the end of verse 13, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Verse 16 at the end, thy throne shall be established forever. So this can't be talking about David's son Solomon. Although he uh, reigned as king, it was certainly not forever. In fact, we can read about the fact that Solomon dies and his kingdom then is passed on to his, uh, his son. So how is it then that a descendant or a son of David is going to be ruling on his throne forever. Well, this is where we need to start thinking about Jesus and the words that we read together in Luke chapter one. Now, 
perhaps unlike David and unlike Abraham, Jesus is someone who probably needs no introduction to us. He is a, a very well-known uh, character, if that's the right, the right word to use, in the Bible. We know that his life has been prophesied beforehand. The Old Testament is full of prophecies or um, people saying what's going to happen in the future, talking about someone who is going to come. And that one was going to be Jesus. And so let's just go and have a look together at uh, what we, the reading that we took together in Luke chapter one. And here we'll just start to see tying together some of these ideas that we've been thinking about with Abraham and with David. So Luke chapter one, um, in verse 26, we've got the angel Gabriel appearing to, in verse 27, someone called Mary. But this is what is said in verse 30. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shalt bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Note those words. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And so we see starting to tie together there that this one Jesus was going to be sitting on the throne of David, his father. Well, we saw that was in Jerusalem. And he's going to be reigning over the house of Jacob forever. Well, we saw earlier on that Jacob was a, a descendant of Abraham. So we're talking about Abraham's family here. But perhaps most importantly is the fact that this one, Jesus, is going to reign forever. So it must be Jesus who is being spoken about in those promises which were given to David. Now, we know that Jesus lived an obedient life. He was the son of God and lived every day doing his father's will, doing God's will and not his own. We see in Matthew chapter three, for example, that he was baptized. He was uh, went down into the water and came up again as the scriptural command is. We know that he went around the land of Israel teaching and encouraging the people to turn to God, to follow God. But we also know that he was taken by the Jews, by those who he was coming to preach to and was crucified. And we can read a little bit of this in Matthew and chapter 26. Uh, the jealousy of the Jews, the ruling Jews at the time, they wanted to get rid of Jesus. They couldn't stand that this one had come who they were worried about taking away all the people uh, to follow him instead of them. And so they plot to have him crucified. Um, sorry, Matthew, I think I might have said Matthew 26. I mean, Matthew 27. And we'll just pick out a couple of verses here. Uh, verse 26, then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Verse 35, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture that they cast lots. And then verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, 
yielded up the spirit. And so we see here Jesus, this one who we've been reading about, who we were told was going to be reigning over the uh, on David's throne forever, here has been crucified, has been put to death. And if that was that, then there would be no future for any of us. But the Bible hope is that of resurrection. And so we don't have to read too much further on in the Gospel of Matthew to find out that Jesus was raised from the dead. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Verse five, the angel answered and said unto the women, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And so we see Jesus here, who has been raised from the dead. He was crucified, was put to death, but raised from the dead after three days. And so following on from the gospel records, we come to the book of Acts. And all the way through the book of Acts, we see the disciples, those who followed Jesus, preaching and teaching to anybody who would listen that this Jesus was the son of God, that he was raised from the dead. Just come over now, please, to um, Acts in chapter two. And we'll just see that uh, proved here by these couple of verses. Here we have uh, the apostle Peter who is talking. Verse 22 of Acts chapter two. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. So here we have Peter telling those who were listening at the time, this Jesus who you crucified, God has raised him from the dead. And of course, the people who had seen this happen 40 days earlier are worried about what they need to do. So just come down the chapter to verse um, 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the command there from Peter was that they should be baptized into the name of Jesus. And it's not our subject for this afternoon. That is a command for us as well. If we want to be um, saved is to be baptized into the name of Jesus. 
Something else that uh, Acts tells us about is the return of Jesus. Now, uh, after his uh, resurrection, we read about Jesus preaching and teaching for a further 40 days. And after that, he was taken up into heaven. This is in Acts chapter 1, and we will just come in at verse 9. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. There are many, many other verses that talk about this. But here we're told that Jesus, who ascended into heaven, is going to return again. And just tying up some of those things that we read a little bit earlier on. Jesus is going to return again. He's going to sit as king on David's throne which is in Jerusalem, is going to rule over a world at peace, and it's going to be forever. Now, I've mentioned about Jesus being raised from the dead, about the resurrection. That too is the hope of Abraham and of David as well, that they will also be raised from the dead and able to be in the kingdom of God. We haven't got time to go and look at the passages to do with that now, but that was their hope, the hope of the resurrection. But what of us? Well, there's a few verses that I want us to have a look at together now. The first of them is in Hebrews and chapter 11 again. We went there a little bit earlier on. So Hebrews chapter 11, but this time I want to have a look at the end of the chapter. And just see what is written here, because it's an amazing thing, I think, for us to consider and to think about. So remember, all the way through the chapter, we've read about faithful people who we can read about in the Bible. So uh, Abel, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Moses. And this is what it says at the end in verses 39 and 40. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, Receive not the promise, just like we saw with Abraham, that he he died before having received the promise, and then he looked into the future. Verse 40, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So that's the promise to you and to me, that God has provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect and so we even in 2022 have the same hope as Abraham and David if we accept the message of the Bible. Um, two more references I want us to have a look at. I'm aware that I've uh, talked for a long time that sometimes happens. Um, first of all let's go and have a look at Isaiah chapter uh, 55. Let's make sure I'll get the right reference here. Yeah Isaiah chapter 55 because here we're going to see that well this message that the bible contains for us is for everyone and there is nothing we need to pay financially towards it we just need to come and be ready to to listen 
to what is said. Isaiah 55. Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. It's not talking about physical water or wine or milk. This is talking about the word of God. And here we have it, and we can have it without money and without price. Verse 3, incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. So there's an invitation to us to, to read the Bible, to find out its message for us, so that God will make a covenant with us, even the sure mercies of David, those great promises that we have been looking at and thinking about. We're just going to finish in Galatians, Galatians and chapter three. A really important chapter for us to think about Abraham, particularly and Jesus and ourselves. The whole chapter is, I suppose, um, relevant for this subject. But let's particularly look at the end of the chapter. And we're going to start reading at verse 26. So Galatians 3, verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And we saw that idea of baptism from Jesus. And in Acts chapter 2 as well, the people there were told to be baptized. So as many as you, as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So through baptism, we become Christ's. And if we are Christ, then we are one of Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, that promise of inheriting the land of Israel. And it's going to be forever. And we can have a part in these things if we come to understand and to know the message of the gospel and become baptised into Christ. So we've seen there, hopefully over the last half an hour, 35 minutes or so, Abraham, David, Jesus, and then we can see ourselves as well, having a part in the promises which were made to Abraham and to David. The promise of the resurrection, the promise of Jesus returning from heaven and reigning as king from Jerusalem forever. So thank you for uh, your attention. As I said at the start, uh, if hopefully um, it's maybe whetted your appetite to learn a bit more. So please ask any questions that you might have uh, and continue to learn about the great message of hope, which is contained for us in the Bible. So uh, thank you again, everybody.
Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.